0: Here we're starting to look at how Jesus is hinting to the Gentile woman that the time for the Jews and Gentiles to be divided is coming to an end, and that's what he will do. Destroy the earthly temple so that God can dwell within us, and how he will leave us so that the Holy Spirit can come to believers and make us living temples of God. Hello and welcome to this podcast episode, Lesson 9 of the Woman at the Well Bible Study. My name is Ruth Douthit and I'm a teacher of God's Word and I'm just so thrilled that you could join me as we continue looking at this amazing story in Scripture. Lesson 9, John four nineteen. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. After being confronted with her sin by this weary Jewish traveler sitting by the well of Jacob, she began to realize that there is something different in him, and she begins to see things in him she hadn't seen before. Jesus' knowledge of the Samaritan woman's life paralleled his knowledge of Nathanael, we found in John 1. Remember, Nathanael asked, How do you know me? And Jesus said, I was watching you. And we see here that Jesus had probably been watching the woman at the well all her life and he is about to open her eyes to who he really is. How do you see Jesus? Remember how we studied, how we see Jesus is very important. She said, Sir, I perceive. How we perceive Jesus is extremely important in our walk with God. We've looked at the importance of making sure we see Jesus accurately. To think of him as merely a prophet, a rabbi, or a really good man would be incorrect because he is so much more. But only God can illumine us to this truth. And what was the lie that the serpent told Eve? When Adam and Eve had sinned, their eyes were opened, in that they were given a conscience to know right from wrong. And Eve began to rely on what her eyes saw. And moral relativism was born. In Genesis 3, 6, it says, The woman saw. I believe women are more easily deceived by her eyes. According to 1 Timothy 2:14. Paul did too. Because I think we were made from flesh, we are more emotionally attached to things around us. But when we set our eyes on the Lord, we see his truth. Jesus said in John 8, "It is the truth that would set us free. Our duties as disciples is to make sure we rely on the truth of scripture rather than on what we perceive to be true. We can't go by feelings or opinions. We have to go by what truth is, what scripture says. And so many times you might hear someone say, well, I think he's a Christian. He seems like a Christian man. He's so nice. He's so good. He must be Christian. Or others say, well, you can't say if someone's a Christian or not. Only God knows their heart. But is that true? We can't go by what we see or think or feel. We can only go by what scripture says. The Samaritan woman was amazed at what Jesus knew about her. He could tell her all that she ever did in her life, but her perceptions of him as a prophet were way off. Now remember, a few lessons ago, we had explored the names of God. Now let's look at some of the names of Jesus. King of Kings The Bridegroom The Alpha and the Omega Spring, The Advocate The King of the Jews The Bright and Morning Star The Living Water Savior, High Priest, Master, the Author and Finisher of our Faith, the Light of the World, Shiloh, the Rose of Sharon, Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God. These are just some of the names of the Lord Jesus. Now that you know the truth, that truth shall set you free. He wasn't just a good man who walked the earth doing nice things for people or a community organizer. No, Jesus was God in flesh. If you see this in scripture, praise God today that he has opened your eyes and revealed to you who he is. He's about to reveal himself to the Samaritan woman. John 4.20 Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. The mountain she spoke of is Mount Gerizim, and it stands 2,800 feet above the Mediterranean Sea. Ancient Shechem in central Israel was divided by two mountains, Gerizim and Ebal, and today Shechem is still there. When the Israelites conquered central Israel, Joshua carried out the orders given by Moses and placed half of the tribes on Mount Gershom and pronounced a blessing, and that's in Deuteronomy 27. The other half he placed on Mount Ebal and pronounced curses, and that's in Deuteronomy 11 and Joshua 8. And that's where Joshua built the El Elohei God, the God of Israel, altar in Ebal. After the northern kingdom fell to Assyria in 721 B.C., The Jews in Jerusalem and the Israelites living in Samaria split over theology. The Samaritans were mixing their pagan religion with the laws of the Hebrew God. The temple that they had built was destroyed in 130 B.C., but they continued to worship there, and even to this day they worship there. She had said to Jesus, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Take some time to think about the worship of God in your family when you were a child. Did worship happen at all? Were you raised to worship God in any capacity? Do you worship this way still? Since I was saved at age seven and raised as a Protestant Christian, I really have no old teachings to lean on. But sometimes the old life of sin I had entered into when I was 18 in college still rears its ugly head even today at age 53. Even though I had lived in sin for those two and a half years, I still attended church during that time because I still wanted to be with other believers and I still wanted to be near God. After the fall of Adam and Eve, the Lord blessed them with two sons. Even though Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden for their sins, and even though they were forced to witness the horrible results of their sin on creation around them, they still taught their sons to honor the Lord and worship Him with sacrifices. Imagine that. In Genesis 4, we see Eve give credit to the Lord for the gift of her son. After all they had been through, after all they had suffered because of their sin, Adam and Eve did not angrily shake their fists at the Lord and curse him, nor did they turn their backs on him and deny his existence. Instead, they chose to honor the Lord by teaching their children to worship him. Noah was honorable in the sight of the Lord, even after all he went through with the building of the ark for over 100 years. He taught his children to worship the Lord. The Samaritan woman said... You Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Proper worship of the Lord God is a foundation to our walk with Christ. We will soon read about how Jesus wanted the Samaritan woman to know that worship is is more than just a place or a building. Those of us who have Christ in our hearts already have the place to worship. If God looks upon us at all, it is because he sees Christ in us. Now, improper worship of the Lord was a serious subject in the writings of Paul and at the times of Jesus. We see that in Matthew 15, the book of Acts 17, Romans 1:18 through 18-24, and Ephesians 4. In John 17, right before the Lord gave up his life on the cross, Jesus lifted up prayer for all believers and gave us examples of how to pray. And he wanted, that, he wanted to make known his obedience for his disciples. So when you're having trouble worshiping the Lord and you just don't feel it, start writing down scripture. Start praying scripture to God because those words are perfect. There are just some verses in the Bible that clearly show us how to venerate and honor God with our voices. So find a quiet place at a quiet time of the day. For me, it's usually when everybody goes to sleep. And read some verses to the Lord and worship Him where He may be found. Some places to start. Psalm 5, Psalm 29, Psalm 45, Psalm 95. John 4, 22. You worship what you do not know, Jesus said to her. We know what we worship, for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus had confronted the Samaritan woman about her sin. And how did she react? She quickly changed the subject to theology. Now, instead of chastening her further, Jesus gladly engaged in the talk about theology. We've been seeing here lately about proper worship and what it means. We looked at how Samaritans worshipped incorrectly the God of the Hebrews. And even many Christians today, people claiming to be Christians today, worship God improperly. Jesus hinted at how at the time of the temple worship, it would soon come to an end. He bluntly informed the Samaritan woman that the way of the Samaritans is futile. They don't even know God. In 2 Kings, we are told about the Samaritans that they feared the Lord, but they also served their own gods. So Jesus had informed the Samaritan woman that the worship of the Samaritans was not authorized by God, neither was it acceptable by God. Their false ways of worship had been invented by man without the Lord's approval. God had created and approved of the Jewish worship of him because he had chosen them and given them the complete instructions or plan on how to worship him we are warned in scripture about false teachers. In Second Peter chapter 2 it says, These are the wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Wells without water. Contrast that with what Jesus says in John 4, that he will give us springs, fountains of living water flowing out of us. The Lord lovingly places verses in his word to warn us about false teachers who will come from within the church and lead us astray with their false gospel messages. They will appear, we see in the book of Matthew, as wolves in sheep's clothing. Paul warns us to respond to men who cause division to completely have nothing to do with them. Jesus had told her, we know what we worship. As Christians, we must know sound doctrine, and that is the gospel. If we are to teach it, preach it, and take it to other nations, how can we teach what we do not know? So we have to know what we worship. The apostles, we see in 2 Peter 1 and 1 John 1, the apostles were eyewitnesses to what they worshipped. They handled the Lord Jesus and heard him speak, as well as saw him with their eyes. But what about us? Do we know what we worship? Do we worship that intimately? Some people say, Well, how can you know that person's a Christian? You don't know their heart. In First John, it says, This is why the Bible was given to us, that we may know we have eternal life, and that we may know the sound doctrine of Jesus is perfect. Jesus had said, Salvation is from the Jews. The Jewish people were among the most hated people on earth because they were chosen by God, the Creator, and they were separated unto him from among the nations. It was through this Jewish nation that Messiah was given. Jesus was born to a Jewish mother and father. The Lord Jesus revealed to the Samaritan woman that salvation comes from the Jews because they were appointed by God to receive his message and to be his messengers. The scriptures and the law were given to them. We see that in Exodus 28. And remember what Paul had written the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. But now Jesus is telling her that the times are changing and that he, the cornerstone, Yeshua, had also come for the Gentiles. We are also to know that God's chosen people now includes us, the Gentiles. In his mercy and grace, he predestined us to glory. But the way is not broad. The broad way leads to destruction, Jesus said. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Passing through the narrow gate will be difficult, and few will find it. So if you know that you are chosen, praise God today. He has shown you the narrow way, and He will lead you to it and through it. Years ago when I did prison ministry, one thing I learned when entering into the prison was how much the women there truly wanted to learn to study God's Word and pray to Him. We teachers would bring a prayer request book for the inmates to write down their prayer requests so that we could record when God answered their prayers. It would give them and us hope. And it was wonderful to see how faithful the Lord was to these ladies as they lifted their cares up to him. We teachers prayed so hard for these women. Sometimes, usually, when they were released from the prison, we would never hear from them again. And it was painful to us because we thought that they had been serious when they came to our Bible studies. We thought that they were serious about the Lord and his word. But once they left the prison, I guess they wanted no memories of that prison and that included us, the Bible studies and the Lord, and it would break our hearts. But I can only imagine how hard it must have been for the Lord to see them walk away from Him as well after He had done so much for them, how He had helped them get through those tough times. And it's humbling because I know I have poured my heart out to Him and I have seen Him answer prayers only to leave Him behind once I made it through those tough times. I have done that over and over again, and that is why I am so glad that we serve a faithful God. He is faithful to us even when we are unfaithful to Him. John four twenty three. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. We recently saw how Jesus was able to correct and rebuke the Samaritan woman about how she worships the God whom she does not know and how salvation comes through the Jews. And we looked at what it is that we Christians worship, the one true God. Here we're starting to look at how Jesus is hinting to the Gentile woman that the time for the Jews and Gentiles to be divided is coming to an end. And that's what he will do, destroy the earthly temple so that God can dwell within us, and how he will leave us so that the Holy Spirit can come to believers and make us living temples of God. True worship entails the believer entering the presence of the Father by faith to praise and worship him from anywhere. Because of Jesus, we no longer have to enter into a physical place like the Holy of Holies, any place built by man's hands. Because of the giving of the Holy Spirit, we can draw near to God right where we are, whether it's in our homes or in a prison cell. Jesus told the woman at the well that soon all will be able to worship the one true God in spirit and truth. He said to his disciples right before he went to the cross in John 14:15 and 16, that the Spirit of truth is coming, and when the Spirit comes, He will guide you in all truth. Jesus had said to her, For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. We have seen here before that our Lord is the Good Shepherd, and we see that in John 10, that the sheep hear His voice, and the Good Shepherd lays down His life for His sheep. The Lord was rebuking both the Jewish people and the Samaritans when he spoke to the woman at the well because he knew that the Jews weren't worshiping the Lord as they should and the Samaritans had made up their own religion. Jesus was once again hinting to this woman that the time of Samaritan and Jewish worship was at an end for he would usher in a new way of worshiping God once and for all and Jesus also hinted that perhaps she is one of those whom the Lord seeks out. To worship him in spirit and truth. After all, it was Jesus who sought her out. Jesus had said to her, worship in spirit and truth. The God of truth. Perhaps you are a new believer and aren't quite sure whom you worship. This is whom we worship, the God of truth. It can be very trying though to worship a holy God sometimes. I worked in the criminal courts, and I saw the evil that men can do. I saw it in the form of crime scene photos and sentencing hearings, and it was brutal. And my son would often ask, if there is a loving God, why is there evil in the world? And that's a question that's been asked by philosophers for thousands of years. Many people, even believers, have trouble with the concept of evil when we know there is a good God, and that truth can be hard to take in. We all know of people who have lost loved ones, either by a tragic accident, a brutal murder, the brutality of war, or a horrible disease. I mean, how do you comfort a mother who lost her two-year-old to brain cancer, or a mother who lost her 20-year-old daughter in a drive-by shooting, or parents who lost two, two sons in war? Words cannot comfort at times like these. If we truly believe God is who He says He is, then there is some comfort knowing That he is sovereign and causes all things to happen for his good to those who love him and have been called according to his purpose in Christ Jesus. I told my son long ago as I tell you here there is a purpose to evil in this world. It is either going to bring us closer to him or push us away from him. As with Cain, the evil that he did set him apart from the Lord forever. But with King David, who also had committed murder to cover his sin, the evil that he did brought him closer to the Lord because he was called according to God's purpose. That's a hard truth, and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, but we have to try and apply this truth to our lives. After I lost my sister in cancer, and then five months later lost my mom, To a heart attack. There were times when I would try and pray and the words just wouldn't come because I didn't know what God was doing. It was so confusing. He had taken my sister. In her 56th year on earth away from her daughters when they needed her and i just didn't understand that and i've had friends who have lost children to cancer it's very painful sometimes to live in this world when you love god but you just don't understand what he's doing and i work with a christian counselor and she tells me all the time ruth i deal with people with christians who say that they want nothing to do with god anymore after they've suffered a horrible traumatic loss Or they're like you. After they've suffered traumatic loss, they want more of God and they draw closer to him. So it's either or. What's it going to be? And that's the truth. And we have to apply this truth to our lives. The one whom we love and serve has a divine purpose in everything that he does. I remember Dr. R.C. Sproul explained it this way. If we truly believe that God is good, then he is eternally good. So therefore, if any evil occurs in this world, then we have to know that there is a purpose behind that evil act and that that purpose will have a good result because God is eternally good. So understanding that concept helps me get through difficult times like that. And I know other people, other believers, where that concept has helped them deal with tragic loss too. So sometimes it's difficult to believe and truly love God and know that He is sovereign when bad things happen. But we have to remember there is a divine purpose in everything that he does. And that divine purpose is 100% good because he is 100% good. So I thank you for joining me with this lesson today from the woman at the well. We've looked into how she worshiped and what true worship really is. In our next lesson, we're gonna look even further into that and how Jesus has a big reveal coming when he reveals himself to her. Her life is never the same. Reflect on how your life was forever changed when you encountered Jesus. And until then, stay in God's Word. And God bless.